Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to the School of Humanity. This is Jason and Rachel Bowman. We are glad to be back with you. And we are going to try to bring you back to speed. Last time we were discussing, of course, the discernment of spirits, according to Ignatius of Loyola. And and, Father Timothy Gallagher. And Father Timothy Gallagher, in all of his wisdom. And we were discussing Rule 9, and we almost got through it. I mean... It Mostly was close because you were talking a lot, and we you were just there were a lot of track. digressions. Mm-hmm. Um, good digressions, though they were. <laughs> and so we will begin by reading the rule again to bring us up to speed. Yes, rule nine. The ninth. There are three principal causes for which we find ourselves desolate. The first is because we are tepid, slothful, or negligent in our spiritual exercises. And so through our false spiritual consolation withdraws from us. The second, to try us and see how much we are and how much we extend ourselves in his service and praise without so much payment of consolations and increased graces. The third, to give us true recognition and understanding so that we may interiorly feel that it is not ours to attain or maintain increased devotion, intense love, tears, or any other spiritual consolation but that all is the gift and grace of God our Lord, and so that we may build a nest in something, so that we may not build our nest in something belonging to another, raising our mind in some pride or vainglory, attributing to ourselves the devotion or the other parts of the spiritual consolation. I will say that we do find ourselves a lot of times in the spiritual life trying to force consolation, you know? Right. Um, And it really is something very delicate and subtle, consolation, you know. And it's uh, it's a trust. It's a abandonment, a passive, in a sense, a passive um, letting uh, right. of of the Lord. It so. is not ours to attain or maintain increased devotion, but that all is the gift is and gift. grace right. of God our Lord. Right. It seems simple, but... It's hard. It is, uh, I mean, it is so key. It's kind of like trying to send yourself flowers. (laughs) Sorry. I've never done that. I've heard stories. Um, (laughs) I mean, and we're so funny because what we do is we try to like, when was the last time I felt close to the Lord? Oh, yeah. It was when I was doing this. And so we try to recreate that Yeah, we've talked about that before in the respect that like if we... Like with our relationship, let's say I, if I wanted to constantly live off of the euphoria that I felt when you proposed to me, right? That it would be kind of ridiculous for me to constantly try to recreate that moment, right? Because the more actualized way to do it would be to simply live in the moment with me, right? In the context, and 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 our love for each other will be renewed authentically and person to person, rather than this kind of idea that you're trying to create in your mind. You know, we, we tend to forget God's a person. <laughs> right. You know? Um, and so we... Like Groundhog Day. Right. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
hopefully people have seen that movie because I've noticed lately that when I make references that I'm old. Yeah. I mean, so. we're old, so. <laughs> but um, all two of just, the listeners just went. Yes. I've never seen like, that we movie. Don't, we don't know what they're talking about. Um, but um, but it's just trying to relive that same moment over and over again. It's mm. basically in vainglory, like we've said. Um, but it's also realizing that you have to create that consolation is a gift from God and that, right. You know, it's not something that can be chased. It is given to you. Right. So our only business really is to dispose ourselves to be able to receive rather than, uh, taking it upon ourselves to create that, that consoling relationship, that moment of peace. Um, because, you know, you might do all the right external things like place yourself in church in front of the tabernacle. Lights are low, candles are on, you know, right. and you do all these things to sort of like, which are all good and beautiful and do assist. But if you rely solely on those things as a means to reach God, you know, then and you forget that it is the Lord who first loved you. Right. Um, <laughs> he lit the candles first. Right. right. It, it is a, a responding rather than, you know, us uh, starting the conversation. Right. And so, I mean, to, to recap, you know, the three reasons, may, principal causes, not, of course, all of the reasons for desolation, but three of the principal causes are when we have become tepid, slothful, or negligent in our spiritual exercises. Um, to try us and to see how much we are and how much we extend ourselves in his service and praise without so much payment of consolations and increased graces. And the third was to give us true recognition and understanding so that we may interiorly feel that it is not ours to attain or maintain increased devotion. Um, Father Gallagher says so beautifully in the book, you know, like once you've realized that you're in desolation and you try to do the things that he said, you know, in, in earlier rules, like you meditate and you pray and you examine, you know, your heart and how this has happened. If you find yourself realizing that it's not because you're negligent, you know, nothing mm -hmm. has really changed in your spiritual exercises, then, um, you should realize that it's because you are a faithful disciple of God. Right. That, um, that this is happening there, there's actually a really beautiful letter that was written to St. Francis of Assisi where a young man said, you know, pray for me, kind Father, for I'm sure that I'll be immediately freed from my temptations if you'll be kind enough to pray for me. For I'm afflicted above my strength, and I know that this is no secret to you. And so St. Francis said to him, Believe me, son, for I think you are, for that reason, more truly a servant of God. And know the more you are tempted, the more will you be loved by me. I tell you in all truth, no one must consider himself a servant of God until he has undergone temptations and tribulations. Temptation overcome is in a way a ring with which the Lord espouses the soul of his servant to himself. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't that beautiful? Well, even in scripture, and I'm not going to get this totally right, um, but... There, there's a passage where it mentions how Christ 
in suffering his temptation and the cross was made perfect. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, so again, he's the way, he is the truth, he is the life. So if we're to follow him, you know, these trials will come. Desolation will come. Um, and all of these rules of St. Ignatius are tools to, and I, I don't like that word tool. They are truths um, which help us to recognize them, to respond and act on them appropriately so that we can be aware and um, not fall prey uh, to them, which I think this is a good segue into the 10th rule. Yes, the 10th rule says, let him who is in consolation think how he will be in the desolation, which will come after taking new strength for them. I'm going to read that again because we've been talking so much about desolation, so it's hard to yeah, we're moving, to get out so. of that. We're going to move on now. Right. There should be like really positive music right now <laughs> if this were a film. It's sort of moving on. <laughs> it is sort of moving on because we're still going to talk about it. Right. But now we're talking about it from the respect of someone that's moved on and is in consolation now. Let him who is in consolation think how he will be in the desolation, which will come after taking new strength for then. So notice that still, I think that in St. Ignatius heart, when he wrote this rule, some of it still is pertaining to, desolation because this whole rule is aimed at preparing ourselves right for the next time that we're in desolation right um and but it's good but one thing we need to make clear right off the bat is first we need to sort of remind ourselves what what consolation is all about and um you know when i try to think of a time that i was consoled um it really is very subtle and delicate. It's a, um, for example, um, in mass, you know, and um, you get a real sense of the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Right. And um, and that that peace that really does surpass all understanding. Well, I mean, you know, it's, fills it's very, you. you know, Christ is not a... A forceful lover. He's not a right. He's not an aggressive courtier. Right. You know, he's gonna, he's going to come and woo you, right? In a way where hopefully your heart is predisposed to see that, right? And we're sort of being drawn, right, out of out of ourselves into the other, and so, and and since the other is, you know, God, you know, it is, it is. Um, almost a foreign language to us, uh, you know, in the beginnings. Right. So uh, we almost don't know how to react a lot of times um, when we're in consolation. And uh, one of the first things that Father Timothy Gallagher, I think, prudently talks about in this rule is to first and foremost establish that when you are in consolation, you shouldn't, your first job is to accept it, is to accept the beauty and the truth that you are being shown when you're consoled in the Lord, to be passive and abandoned and 
and to accept those things that are coming to you. Um, not to immediately turn in, in a state of anxiety and, and think, oh, well, right. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, <laughs> so you can't even enjoy in desolation. Right, right. Because like... that's not what this rule is about. And I think that that, you know. Would, that's very important to say. Yeah. I mean, what we're, we are definitely not saying that when you're being consoled, you need to be like, oh, well, soon I'm going to be right. in desolation. I mean... So let me quickly think about that. And, and, <laughs> and let's not accept this beauty that, uh has been shown to me. Um, he, he goes on, I don't know if you remember this, but he goes on to tell about um, St. Elizabeth and Seton. And he talks about how she was walking through the forest. She didn't have, her, her father was a, was a doctor and was very distant um, from her uh, at times. And he was a, a wonderful man and she loved him dearly. Her mother died when she was young. And so... Um, she learned at a young age to let God be her all and to be her father in a way. And so she writes about this time. She would journal. She, she wrote about this time when she was walking through the forest. And she literally had like two hours of just basically ecstasy, you know, um, consolation. Wow. And, uh, and the language that she used was so beautiful because she said, um, basically, in the two hours of consolation that she had, she, she knew that she grew years in the spiritual life. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. And it really is like that. I mean, you almost have new eyes to see and, and you do. everything changes. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like this, this calling to just enjoy, you have to enjoy this moment. We're definitely living a time too, where we rob ourselves of that. We do. Even not in spiritual consolation, but just in, 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 normal consolation we we rob ourselves of it you know um like being somewhere and being able to see the kids and the other day gabriel had like a volunteer appreciation thing in his school and i always want to capture things on video especially during the day when jason's not able to be there um but you can always see in the video especially at the very beginning i'm always not a very good photographer because um, i'm worse than you i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> because you want to be there with them you know right and so but that's one of those examples where we just <laughs> we're so concerned about you know being able to document this or right whatever and right. so we, we rob ourselves of that and even us right now we're pretty guilty of not enjoying just the consolation oh of, yeah we are we i mean we're excited about abigail coming but there's so much preparation that has to happen um and uh, so tonight we actually had a conversation earlier where Jason was like, you know, there's just so much to do. And it's the Lord has really blessed us in a way where we we are never, very rarely are we both in desolation. Right. And by that I mean like seconds of desolation, days of desolation. You know, the Lord has really given us a gift to where we complement each other in the fact that Jason will be in desolation or I will be in desolation and the other person will be in consolation and being able to pull each other out. But... But I've had that thought, you know, I had it like two nights ago, you know, there's just so much to do. And, um, and I just said, honey, there's always so much to do. <laughs> like yeah. even, even when we will finally tackle one thing, you know, there yeah. will always be more to do, but, um, it's just whether or not we can enjoy the consolation without, while we still are fortifying ourselves and, mm -hmm. you know, gaining strength for the journey, right. but that we're also not 
um, you know, losing ourselves in the console in the desolation that's to come. Right. So he said that this is kind of like a bonus um, fruit that you can win while you're in consolation is first and foremost to accept, you know, uh, the consolation and to simply exist in that love that you're feeling, but then, and, and, you know, to respond to it and whatever fruit the Lord has for you in those consoling moments, but then also to, in in a, in a kind of subtle way or in kind of a, um, in a secondary way anyway, to, to then think, you know, okay, I know, I recognize that I'm consoled right now, and I wasn't before. And I know that, again, I will go into desolation. So how, in this in, in sort of enlightened right. time, because let the good, me... Because the good spirit the, guides you now. Guides you now. So right. now that I see things clearly, let me look upon the notion of desolation. Let me look upon it, and I know, because it's going to come again, and prepare myself in a in a in a way that's peaceful, and you know, right. not not with an anxiety, but in a right. way that's peaceful, you know, uh, to to not so enter into it next time, and maybe that way we can quickly, um, you know, throw throw the enemy aside when when desolation tries to come. And there right. are some practical things that uh, that we can do um, in those moments. Um, First of all, you know, what I always think about is to re- remember those times when you are most apt to fall into desolation. Right. You know, um, when is it? Is it the time, you know, is it after your really long day and you get home from work and you're exhausted and the and the kids need a lot of attention, you know, that you tend to fall into desolation? Well, you need to prepare yourself for that. Right. You know, and, and, you know, you need to, now that you're in consolation and you see it for what it really is. Right. Try to recognize that. Maybe you need to journal about it and write something down. Right. That you can read, you know. And I mean, if you're, Jason, again, it's definitely one of, another gift of our marriage is that we are able to be kind of like journals for each other. Right. But, um, you know, it's, it's so important if you have good friends or maybe roommates that you can share things with, um, and, you know, Jason is a great, great dad. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. I'm, I'm you know, not saying this just because it's a podcast and it's being documented for the three people that listen, but that um, he just <laughs> is. He's a great dad. And, um, but I know, we know when, when the, we've had enough, you know, with the kids or our, our, our fuses are short, but it's beautiful because we're able to see the instances when it could happen more frequently like maybe Jason's had a really rough day and so on this way home I can call him and say this is the mood of all of the little people in our house so just prepare yourself for the mood oh. that you're walking into and just a little preparation like that right it can make all the difference in the world it reminds me um, another example um, that he gives which I think is just awesome to think about is um, imagine that you're on a boat and um two people are on a boat and you know they're going along everything's okay but there's going to be some turbulence that's coming right. up you know and the first person oh, is was it a boat or a bus no it was a boat okay i'm pretty sure it was a boat because he, he said he, he went sailing a lot as a kid <laughs> oh you know? all right 
So anyway, nice try. But anyway, so the first person who is in consolation and enjoying the view is looking off totally, you know. Uh, Which would be Jason. He's kind of oblivious. He's just kind of right. hanging out, enjoying the view. <laughs> Sorry, honey. And the turbulence is coming, and the person that's enjoying <laughs> the view does what? He gets knocked right. badly, right? You know, and he doesn't know how to respond. <laughs> but then the person who is enjoying paying the attention, view, paying attention. <laughs> Sorry. He does use this same kind of thing in the in in a bus in the book, I think. What's your point? Um <laughs> <laughs> that you're mean. <laughs> um I'm not mean. I say mean things, but I might I'm not mean. <laughs> but <laughs> he says the same but thing. But he's prepared, them. so he puts his foot down, he braces right. himself so that when, you know, the turbulence comes, he's ready and it's really not as much of a blow you know and that the same principle applies to the spiritual life um that if you can look ahead you know your weak spots you prepare and uh you know you even maybe have a prayer in mind that you would say next time that you're faced with that situation Mm -hmm. like like he always uses the you know i've been here before right and just saying that will sort of jar him back into that consoled peaceful insight right. of the Lord's with me, you know, I, I can get can through this. this. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, one thing that I noticed with myself is that, you know, especially in my current state, but in most, I think most people get really tired around like three or four o'clock, right? Yes. <laughs> For me, it happens a little bit earlier in between picking up the two boys because, you know, Jeremiah gets out at like 1 and, or 12.30 and Gabriel doesn't get out till 3. So usually right. that little like hour and a half period. Right. It's very tempting to just kind of lay on the couch. But every time that I do that now, I end up falling asleep and then um, end up being super duper cranky. Like like very irrationally cranky, you know? Yeah. And... Um, like we'll be sitting on the couch and Jeremiah will come over and he'll try to cuddle and I'm just like, please don't touch me. Like it's really <laughs> hot right now. And um, I'm such a mean person. But um, so what I've tried to do is that knowing that that, because inevitably you feel bad after that, right. you know, I'm like, oh my right. gosh, he's, he's four years old and he just wants to cuddle his mom. Be yep. nice. Um, and so what I've tried to do is that if I sit down for a second and I, and you know that it's coming, it's not like a, the sleep monster just right. attacks you, but yep. sometimes he does, but, um, but you know, it's coming. So like I consciously get up and try to find something to do that doesn't include me sitting somewhere because I will fall asleep. Right. Um, and just making a conscious effort. Like I know that this is coming. And actually that came up another time, not so long ago, we were talking about, because Jason and I are really bad about staying up really late. Yeah, we are. Um, mostly Jason. I'm just kidding. It's it's usually me. <laughs> it's definitely you. And, but staying up too late, because most of the time, this is the only time that we really can get things done. You Freedom. know, <laughs> There's lots of dance parties and like strobe lights that come out when the kids go to bed. I'm just kidding. Boots, boots, boots. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so... The kids get to bed and we just have to like check off everything on the to-do list because we're crazy. Um, 
But with trying to be a little bit more disciplined about that. But one night we were talking about Jason asked me, he's like, how do you get up in the morning? Cause I'll go to bed at like one and still get up at like five thirty, six oh, o'clock. Um, and I told him that what drives me to do it still, cause he's like, I can't do that. I just can't get up when you get up. Why do you get up that early? Um, but I know that if I don't, that inevitably someone will suffer that morning. Either I'm going to be racing Rushed. around and I'm going to be, you know, short with the kids yeah. or, you know, I'm going to forget someone's juice or <laughs> I won't get to take a shower. Or... I think that I imagine that if I get up with you, that I'm going to actually die. <laughs> I think I do I imagine think, that. I think that's... Um, Which is totally... Irrational. Rational? No, irrational. You're missing no. the first part of that word. <laughs> see, I can see that now that I'm consoled. Honey... I have a person growing inside of me and I still get up at 5.30, I think. I know. I feel really bad about myself right now. <laughs> I'm trying to somehow intellectualize. Yep, not going to happen. Okay. But, you know, nice try. So, uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, so, and, and it's really beautiful that that whole thought because Jason actually, right after we'd had that talk, you've been getting up now in the mornings um, a lot earlier. He hasn't right. died yet, so I think, you know, calm down. You'll be fine. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. <laughs> exactly. But it's beautiful to realize that our strength comes from usually thinking of the other. Yeah, it is. You know, it kind of switches your, your viewpoint. Like, if I get up, I'm going to suffer. But, <laughs> but then if you think, but if I don't get up, others may suffer. Right. Then they're motivated to do it. Right. Which is an awesome, awesome thing. But, um, I, that definitely had something to do with consolation desolation, right? I didn't just go off in left field. I did. (laughs) You took us down this road. Fine. Of no return. (laughs) But so we've talked about the fact that this is basically just a time of preparation it is. You know, consolation is definitely a time to be enjoyed, but it's also a gift of a time to to be consoled. I feel like the typical pattern, I don't I don't know, but it's like when co- consolation begins, you're sort of like swept off your feet and right. you're just like in this like very quiet, like interior quiet. You there's not a whole lot to be said. You're just simply receiving. And then maybe that receiving slows down enough, and now you're starting to maybe respond a little bit more actively. And then, so part of that responding actively can be a prudent application of of, uh, what you know to be true in your consolation to this next time when you're going to potentially enter into desolation. Maybe it's just that you're seeing what made you desolate more clearly, right. you know, like, uh, and that, that may need, that may mean you need to adjust your something external, you know, like your situation, your whatever it is at work or how much you sleep or some sort of non-spiritual, um, Desolation. Thing, you know, thing. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, something, some truth about, uh, yourself, that some place that you have not given to the Lord, right, uh, becomes more evident, and you can 
pray with that and um, actively turn yourself against that which is not uh, in conformity with him and uh, start to do things um, in your spiritual life when desolation comes around um, right that that change it for the better so it's true we didn't talk about any working out this time so I mean that's pretty good so how would this apply to working out um hmm so you're in you're in a state of of gains yeah like you've made gains you've made gains and you start to contemplate when you're weak and want to eat donuts (laughs) i mean if it fits your macros though you can eat some. see there it is there's the excuse (laughs) it slipped right in ignore that Unless you've worked it into your macros. Maybe you've worked in donuts to your macros. Again, that's the enemy. You're the meanest. Um. (laughs) People are going, what are macros? (laughs) When did we change the channel on this podcast? The reason why I'm going off into left field again is because now we have to continue rule 10 again. I don't Um, think so. I think we, we killed that. We did kill that, but there's still so much to say. Is there? There is. Hmm. Until next time. Right? Right. <laughs> God bless. Thank God you bless for you listening. Guys. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bullman. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.